Hello and welcome to 22 Voices, a podcast series brought to you by the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games. I'm Samantha Johnson and this series will tell the stories of the sporting legends and cultural trailblazers as the countdown to the Games continues. My guest today is Michael Gunning, a Team Jamaica swimmer who's challenging stereotypes around LGBT plus representation in sport and the visibility of black swimmers in a traditionally white-dominated arena. Growing up in Kent, a young Michael was told black people don't swim, but he rose through the ranks to represent Great Britain before deciding to represent Jamaica, his father's homeland, in 2016. He's competed at two world championships, is hoping to compete at the Tokyo Games this year and has his sights firmly set on the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games as well. Since coming out as gay in 2018, he's also a trailblazer for LGBT plus people in sport, working with charities like Stonewall to make sports a more inclusive place. Michael Gurning says he's lucky to have travelled the world as his authentic self, but there's still a long way to go for true global equality, diversity and inclusion. Michael, thank you so much for joining us uh, on 22 Voices. Now, I have to admit that um, I've been stalking you a little bit. And obviously, because I'm a journal, I have to do my research on you. But I've got to say that the first thing that jumps out about you is your energy and your infectious smile. Um, happen to love your kitchen as well. I think you've got a, a beautiful, amazing <laughs> island. And I love your dogs. I think they're so cute. So that's the Michael now, you know, looking after yourself mentally, <laughs> physically. And trust me, I've seen, like, you have an amazing physique, FYI. Like, if I were you, I'd be walking around. Swimmer's body. Like, I know, but mate, come on. Like, I want those kind of abs, but at the same time, I love my food. And like, yeah, anyway. But um, yeah, so this is the Michael now. I'm very intrigued to know more about, I say, little Michael. So the Michael growing up in Kent. Like, can you just tell us more about him and how he became Michael today? Yeah, so the very little Michael did not like swimming at the very beginning. No way. You know, I hated cold water. <laughs> Seriously? I Wow. Yeah, I, I hated lessons. You know, my mum and dad are not very strong swimmers themselves. So they took me to a pool, put me in the lessons, but I screamed, I shouted. I really didn't want to leave my mum. And I think it was when I started to challenge myself and kind of get challenged by the teachers that I enjoyed it. And um, oh, you yeah, like it a took challenge. a long time to get to that point. <laughs> you like a challenge, I like that. You want to push yourself, which is quite, I don't know, that's quite amazing for, I suppose, a young person. It's like, okay, I'm not enjoying this. What will make it more enjoyable? Okay, shout something at me and I'll enjoy it all of a sudden. Like, how did that come yeah, about? It was, you know what it was? It was when my teacher said, you know, none of you will be able to, you know, get this sinker from the floor because it's too deep. And, you know, I saw that as the challenge and I would get that sinker. And, you know, then it kind of, I think once my teacher saw how I worked and how kind of what motivated me, it was, you know, none of you will be able to swim 10 metres. Suddenly I was swimming 10 metres because I wanted to prove to her that I could. And, um, you know, I think that's why I kind of found my competitive streak. And I realised that actually I was probably good in a swimming club because I'd always want to move up 
to the next stage to kind of get to counties, regionals, nationals, and then obviously at international level. So that's what really got me going. And how did the, I suppose, the swimming community take to you? Because you don't see a lot of black swimmers as well. So were you welcomed with open arms? Was it quite standoffish? Like, can you just tell us your experiences? Yeah, you know, when I was at school, I think everyone questioned why I was swimming, why I wasn't doing something, you know, other black children, you know, done. Like football. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's heartbreaking that there is that stereotype because, Mm. you know, I was so good. I was bringing in my county medals to show them, to kind of prove to everyone that I could swim. But I shouldn't have had to prove it. I should have just told them and they should have, you know, been supported me. So... Um, yeah, it was hard and, you know, obviously constantly being told that black people don't swim, that black people sink in water. And I think sometimes part of you just wants to believe it, you know? Or I think in my case, because again, I'm not a strong swimmer, so I kind of not like to believe it, but I like to have that as an excuse in my back pocket. Like, well, oh, you know, I can't swim because X, Y, Z. However, yeah. as soon as my feet doesn't touch the water, I'm like, okay, um, oh, the bottom, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> but I suppose we still have to do a lot in terms of getting rid of those stereotypes. I mean, the whole hair thing as well is kind of difficult when we swim and you have Afro hair. But now you're seeing a lot of brands with uh, swimming caps that cater towards us I mean yeah. how does it make you feel seeing that you know what the industry is actually coming it's inviting us it's making us it's giving us a space yeah you know it is so wonderful and you know I, I remember walking on poolside at my very first world championships and I felt like all the eyes were on me everyone was looking at me everyone was kind of thinking who are you you know where have you come from and you know there wasn't many black faces on poolside but I think it shows you know by having that representation by seeing you know a, a younger me if I saw myself or you know another other black athletes and swimmers on telly and you know competing at that high level I think I would have had more confidence mm. so I'm just so proud that I can walk on poolside and kind of be that ambassador for everyone else and you know that role model because um, times are changing yeah and like you said if you don't see it you can't really be it so again would you consider yourself a a trailblazer in that kind of regard oh my (laughs) i I suppose so come on you're you're the first first. come on it's i mean you may want to stay (laughs) humble but there are times where you can't stay humble you just gotta wear the crown you know you are leading the way how does that feel (laughs) Oh, you know, it is amazing. You know, I get so many messages on social media from, you know, people all over the world. Obviously, you know, I represent Jamaica now and the whole Jamaica community are getting behind me and they support me and it's it's wonderful. Well, speaking of Jamaica, you did compete for uh, Great Britain when you were younger, but now you've switched to um, to Jamaica. How How did that switch come about and why did you make the switch? Yeah, you know, so my mum is from Great Britain, my dad's from Jamaica, and I've always kind of had that dual nationality to have the option to change. Mm. Um, but I think because I was born in the UK, I love representing Great Britain, you know, as even though I was the only black person on the team, I loved it. I loved that I was breaking barriers. I loved that I was challenging myself. But I think it, you know, kind of got to a point, well, it was at the Manchester, I was... Um, I was at the Manchester Arena bombing when that happened in 2017 with, you know, Aaron Grande. And I think that really put life into perspective. And I've always wanted to give back. I've always wanted to, you know, motivate and inspire people. And I feel like I'd done that with Great Britain. I, Mm. you know, kind of started to pave the way for black swimmers and kind of get to that top. And, you know, Jamaica don't have many swimmers. There's not Mm. really 
a big following. It's all about athletics. It's all about how successful they are. And I think I just really wanted to show all the Jamaicans and all the Caribbean islands that, you know, swimming is an amazing sport and you can swim no matter where you are in the world. It's an amazing um, sport. It's so beautiful. I'm actually very envious of anyone that can just jump into deep waters and just kind of flourish and just, I don't know, just turn into another... <laughs> it's, I, I find it really beautiful. I've, I've seen uh, some of your clips and I think you are absolutely graceful in the water. But oh. um, there is a bit of a similarity between you and I. Obviously not in the, okay. uh, not in the, not in the swimming kind of category. <laughs> but um, I'm dual heritage as well. So my dad was born in Jamaica. So I'm Jamaican British. Wow. I know, I know. I love it. I'm so proud. I'm so <laughs> proud of our, our country. So where was your dad born in Jamaica? Just outside Kingston. Um, so, yeah. What about yours? Uh, so my dad was born in St. Thomas and I went to Jamaica okay. uh, last year, 2020. Uh, this was before um, COVID. And I fell yeah. in love with the country all over again. Like I felt reconnected to my roots. Like how did... So beautiful. It's so beautiful. Like what, where's your favourite place to go in Jamaica? Oh, you know, I've... You know, when every time I go back to Jamaica, I always see family and um, I think it's always nice to connect. But I think it really shows you the different lifestyle that, you know, I live here in the UK with amazing clothes, with, you know, I'm so privileged. Mm. And, you know, when I go out out there and I see like a different way of life, it's, it's hard to see how my family out there are living. But, you know, obviously that's what they're used to. Um, but, you know, I love going back to the family. I love going back to the roots. But I also love the holiday parts of Jamaica because... It's just absolutely stunning. <laughs> the it's waterfalls beautiful. and oh, yeah, just reconnecting to the island is just—it's it, everything. I mean, what's your favourite food? What's your favourite thing to eat out there? Oh, I do love a bit of spice, so I do like the jerk chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What do I like? I like anything. Anything with planting. Actually, how do you say planting? Oh, yes. How do you yeah, say it? planting. Okay, yeah. Say. You're not one of those plantain people. No, it's planting. Okay, okay. We're going to get on. We're going to get on. But yeah, I'm, I had some like, I don't know, cornmeal porridge out there. Like all the foods that my my grandparents used to make for me. It was just, oh my gosh, I'm falling back in love with it all. It was yeah, just... The fish that you tear away from the bone and oh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, Michael, you came out as gay in 2018. Now, knowing the perception of homosexuality in Jamaica and that it's still illegal, I mean, how did they take to you representing them in terms of swimming? Yeah, so, you know, I obviously love representing Jamaica. They are very proud of me for, you know, representing and flying that flag for swimming. Um, and I think, you know, since coming out, they just haven't really spoken about it. And, you know, from where I stand, I think that is a positive thing. You know, you see so much kind of homophobia and stuff around the world. And, you know, to with all the rules and legislation out there, I think, you know, for me to be able to be my authentic self and, you know, not get questioned, not kind of get hate for it has been really, really amazing. Can you tell me more about your support, uh, your support system as well? Because I, I can't imagine what it's like for you being young black male wanting to just live your life i mean it's, it sounds so simple but you just want to be you so can you just tell me who yeah. supported you in terms of um in uh when you came out yeah you know when i was younger i had the feelings that i was you know attracted to the same gender and 
obviously back then there was not really many role models that I had to look up to. There was no one swimming that I could, you know, really see myself in. And I suppressed it. I really did. I didn't talk about it. And it got to a point where I just felt no emotion at all. You know, I never felt that attraction to anyone. And, you know, that's heartbreaking. And I think now looking back, I wish and I hope that no one ever goes through that. Um, And, you know, I've got to a point in my career where I just I needed to stop for a second. I need to stop swimming and just try and focus on within, you know, like we said at the start, that self-care is so important. And, you know, I decided to to go on a TV show and actually talk about it and be with like minded people that understood and where I could be myself. And, you know, I spoke to my family before I went on the show and. You know, I was training, you know, alongside Tom Daly in London at the time mm. and really confined in him and his amazing journey of him obviously coming out on YouTube. And um, I think I got a lot of confidence from that and the support that I've got from my friends and family. And yeah, just decided to go go for it and tell the world. And how did it feel afterwards? When Did it feel like, oh my gosh, I can actually breathe? Like, oh my oh. gosh. It was a massive relief. It really was. And it was so nice to walk on poolside and you know, not, not pretend to be someone that I'm not, to be myself, to, you know, I think I always was, I always had the smile on my face. I was always quite flamboyant. (laughs) (laughs) And um, to a lot of people, it was never a shock. I don't know why I kind of thought, built it up in my head that everyone would kind of treat me differently. Um, But yeah, I was just myself and it was the best feeling. And I think I definitely saw the results and, you know, my swimming performance get better. So what would you advise any youngster who wants to come out, whether they're you know they're swimming or they're in athletics I mean what would you tell them I would tell them to confine in one person into two people that you trust just so you're not alone you know I obviously never told anybody and um you know I felt just so petrified about you know what people would say but I think you'll always have that one person that is your best friend is your family member is you know your siblings that you can open up to and be honest with and when you tell the first person, it gets so much easier. And, um, you know, it will already take that big burden off you. So, yeah, mm-hmm. try and confine in one person, even if it's online as well. I think online now is such a big thing. I connect with so many people and people are telling me all their stories. So I think just by getting it off your chest and writing it on a tweet or, a you know, a private message, it just really helps. So, Michael, can you tell us about Pride House? Yes. So, you know, it was released this year that I'm going to be an ambassador for Pride House. And I think it's an amazing thing. You know, all the major games has, you know, a safe space for LGBT people. And, you know, it's a massive thing. You know, we've come so far. And, you know, when you look at all the other games, you know, before, not many have in the past. And I think to have a place where it brings people together, it encourages that conversation. Um, You know, it's it's something that I'm really, really looking forward to and engaging more in. So, yeah, it's an honour. Indeed. Right. uh, Again, just doing more research on you. I'm one. I feel old because I've realized, Okay, I'm 11 years older than you. So what? You're 26. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You're 26. And you've been through so much. It's almost like you've you've lived another life before. So knowing some of the stories that you've spoken about already, like at school, when you were bullied, like a group of kids threw acid on you. Now, when Mm. can you just talk us through that because when I saw it I'm like what yeah like I mean I'm one I'm sorry you had to go through that I'm you know it's uh, I'm sorry that you had to go through something as traumatic as that Mm. I mean I think 
You know, I think as I've kind of got older, I've definitely got a lot more confidence to speak out about different things that have happened to me because, you know, ultimately I don't want anyone else to go through it themselves. And, you know, when I was younger, I never really saw... I never really saw why people done that to me. And I think even now, I don't really know why, you know, whether it was the colour of my skin, whether it was my sexuality, or whether it was just because I was different, whether, you know, I broke that normality. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it was really hard. Um, You know, my parents were so good, you know, they was always marching up to the school, having my back. And, you know, my family have always been like my closest network and would do anything for me. So I'm so lucky that I've got them. But, you know, I also know now that, you know, lots of people don't have family members, you know, especially when coming out and, you know, being themselves, sometimes they don't have that home support. So, you know, I think it's so important to have friends, people that, you know, that you can be yourself with, Um, because ultimately mental health is so important. And I don't think we really knew that back then. Yeah, it's, I don't know, again, if it's because of the pandemic and what's going on. But like you said, no one really spoke about mental health or, you know, self-care and just protecting our peace. But now it just seems yeah. like we're in a new era where it's it's actually preferred to actually protect your peace and focus on your mental health. I mean, have you become an advocate of that? Yeah, no, 100%. You know, wherever I can talk about mental health, I definitely will. Um, You know, I've got a few friends that have been struggling. And, you know, my brother, he went to Youth Olympics. And, you know, I think coming, you know, he didn't want to do swimming anymore. But, you know, transitioning from a sports person's lifestyle and being so competitive and, you know, reaching the top to suddenly going into normality and, you know, reality, it's, mm. it's so tough. And, you know, he really has been through so much and he's my role model. He's younger than me, but he's mm. my role model. And, um, yeah, I'll definitely talk and advocate for him and for all the people like. I love your family. I mean, again, don't know them, but <laughs> <laughs> I just think. I love, I love the, the dynamics of your family and that you're all very solid and you all support each other. I mean, can you just tell us like a great story of you and your family supporting each other or, I don't know, just going away? Just get, give us an insight into, <laughs> you know, the Gunning family. Like, is it, <laughs> can we see a reality yeah. show in the future? Oh. Keeping up with <laughs> the Gunning family. <laughs> When I was younger, I always used to have a video camera and I always, you know, what they call a vlog now, but I always used to record all the holidays and it was from my perspective. So, you know, if my brother was in the pool or being silly, it would be on camera with my commentary saying he's being silly again. (laughs) And it's so nice to look back. And I think that's what we do now as a family, because, you know, I'm up in Manchester, I'm training there back in Kent. And I think whenever we get together, it's so important to reconnect. And we always watch all those childhood videos because, you know, we, we're a close family, but obviously the, the life and the world we live in brings us all, you know, busy and traveling around. And yeah, but I'm so grateful for my family. So should we see like, I don't know, a YouTube channel coming out soon of you and all your family and your, <laughs> your exploits or something? Uh, you know what? I actually started a YouTube channel in lockdown and... You know, I think I've never had the confidence to share any of the videos. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always done videos of all the competitions I've done in the past, but I've never kind of shared it. So I felt, you know, I started one in lockdown and hopefully I'll share, you know, Birmingham 2022 hey, and everything that you got to I'm sorry, you've got to do that. Because, you know, what, it's going to be very interesting. Again, going back to the whole, you know, the fact that we were in a, you know, COVID-19 era, everything's changed. So you might not be able to go out and um, socialize so much, but people will be interested to know how you will train. 
you know, like social distancing, everything like that. Is, is that what you're planning to do as well? Like vlog your whole experience of Birmingham 2022? Yeah, no, 100%. You know, I think, you know, being a spectator or being someone that just watches, you know, different games, you never really understand what athletes go through and what the village is yeah. like and, you know, all those little things. So I think... You know, anyone, everyone would love to be there, but obviously, you know, only the the top of the top of the sport. So it'd be great to show everyone a bit of an insight and, yeah, motivate them, motivate them to want to get there themselves. I'm expecting some workout vid from you. I don't care. Like, do something, <laughs> please. I'll be, I'll watch. I'll watch. Um, I, I do... I'm so over all the workout videos. Oh, really? So like last year. Oh, come on. <laughs> like, I'm actually quite hooked on. Um, well, I love YouTube, FYI. But I've been doing a lot of home video, um, home, home videos, home workouts, and I think mm. it's brilliant. I, th- I just, I, it's quite addictive because I have my kettlebells, I have my weights. I'm serious, like I have everything. <laughs> so if you did have a workout video, <laughs> I would watch it. FYI, just saying. Dang. Okay, right. I do want to um, switch gears a little bit and talk about another defining moment of your life, and you mentioned it before. Again, like I said, you're only 26 and you've been through so much and you have a smile at the end of it. But in 2017, you were um, involved in the um, the attack, the Manchester Arena attack at the um, Ariana Grande uh, concert. Now, that lives long in a lot of memories. And the fact that it involved a lot of kids, it was it's heart-wrenching. How did that make an impact on you? Yeah, you know, like I did have a lot of therapy after I think you know when it happened and you know that week after I went back to training like nothing had happened and it hit me after because you know I just wasn't sleeping I was you know turning up to training exhausted not being able to perform well and then I was you know kind of beating myself up for not swimming great and you know my coach just had to turn around and say look you need some time away and you know focusing on yourself and you know I did see a therapist and you know just to vent it all out um, you know, I've never really spoken to a psychologist other than, you know, that time and, mm. you know, really did help. And I think, you know, even now I still get the flashbacks. I still really? hear the sirens and there's so many things that, you know, reminds me of that night. You know, um, I love Arena Grande. Um, that yeah. was the second concert I've been to and it was it was an amazing night. It really mm. was until obviously everything happened. And I think it just really puts, you know, the world and life into perspective, especially with COVID as well. You just don't know what's around the corner. And, you know, my family are obviously so happy that I'm, you know, I I still have my life because obviously there was 22 victims that didn't. And, you know, it, it does just make you grateful what you, for what you've got. And, you know, especially in COVID times, you know, with everything that's going on with oh. the NHS and the amazing people, like we are so lucky to be where we are today. And for me to still be swimming, going for my dream. Yeah, I mean, we do count our blessings every day. I know I make it a a, a valid effort to wake up and just think of five things that I'm grateful for. And then when I go to bed, I do the same thing as well. So in regards to you and how you cope as well, you just said that you saw a therapist. I mean, do you still see a therapist for your flashbacks? I mean, what other healthy routines do you have? Yeah, no, I don't actually. I don't see a therapist anymore. Um, You know, I did last year actually so you know I, I have been checking in yeah um, and I think it's important to know when you know you need that help and when you can go and speak to someone but you know I think what I do is you know breathing techniques sometimes when of a night I can't sleep and you know I think about everything I think about the next day I think about yeah. four years ago mm. and you know the later it gets I start to panic that I'm not kind of recovering so I think 
yeah, I try and do some breathing techniques just to relax my body and yeah, just kind of bring it back to that that inner zen. <laughs> yeah. What breathing techniques do you do? Because there's quite a few at the moment. Like I said, the the whole self-care movement is huge. So what's your mm. preferred technique? Oh, so I normally lie in bed or lie on the floor. Um, I do this as well when, before I race in the Ooh, pool room. okay. <laughs> so if okay. you see me lying down, you know what I'm so, doing. Okay, yeah, he's, he's doing his <laughs> techniques. I know this, he told me. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I lie down and, you know, I take a big breath in. And as I breathe out, I imagine that all my muscles are, you know, sinking into the floor or sinking into the oh, wow. bed. Uh-huh. And, you know, I just feel relaxed. And, you know, it could be I focus on one muscle group and then my chest and then my legs. But then, you know, after the breathing technique... I've kind of, you know, got a really good um, breathing pattern. My muscles are relaxed and, you know, just relieves any stress as well. So that's what I do. Okay. And how long do you do that for? Is that like a five minute thing or 10 minute or is it just until you feel calm? Until I feel calm. Yeah. Okay. So it, it could be, it's pro- not normally longer than 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. I'm taking notes here. Like, okay. I gotta, yeah. I might have to try that. Well, talking of breathing techniques, I'm pretty sure you'll be doing that at Birmingham 2022. So how does it feel to know that you'll be competing at these games? Oh, it's exciting. You know, I think we've all, you know, this current time, we all want something to look forward to. And, you know, it's it's not that far away. It's going to come around so quick. And I've just enjoyed seeing the buzz on social media and, you know, by people talking about it. And, you know, even though obviously, you know, I represent Jamaica, I'm also a British boy, so the fact that it's on home ground as well for me is just doubly exciting, and um, it'll be awesome to have a home games, even though I'll be wearing a Jamaica cap. Like, do you have, like, I suppose, a, I don't want to say a home advantage because you are competing for Team Jamaica, but the fact that you are already in the UK, does that make you have some sort of an edge? You know what, I think, you know, just all the supporters are, you know, that's what gets everyone through. And I think everyone, even though, you know, I do represent Jamaica, everyone knows here how much I give to the GB team, you know, Mm. (laughs) all the different competitions. I'm always sat with them. I'm always supporting them and with them. So I think, you know, they'll they'll see me as their own as well. And just having that support, having that um, momentum going in will be amazing. Well, the advantages of having dual heritage, you get support from Jamaica and support from the... Oh my gosh. And I believe there's a new aquatic centre at Sandwell as well. How do you feel about competing in that? Oh, I think a new pool is just always, you know, I think we all have kind of a favourite pool, but Mm. unless you go to every pool and try every pool out, you never know what it's like, you know, and it is different. It really is, you know, how deep it is, the water and, you know, the, you know, when you breathe, what, you know, what the surrounding will look like. And I'm excited. I really am. Are you a big fan of visualisation as well? So before, um, before meets your... I don't know, you're just going through all your, um, I don't know, techniques, your superstitions. I don't know if you have any. Like, do you have any superstitions before you start racing? Yeah. You know, even, you know, the you know the few moments before I have to touch my feet, oh. um, you know, and stretch for six seconds. Oh, okay. So not <laughs> 5.5 seconds, not seven seconds. <laughs> okay. I like that. It has to be six seconds, yeah. Why? And, why, um, why six? Or is it just... It's just something I've always done, Yeah. It's um, something I've always done, so... <laughs> I that. So you go through the whole visualisation technique and that helps you through, I don't know, how you're, how you're going to yeah. compete on the day? It just gives me that reassurance, you know, and I think for every athlete, when, you know, to know that you've swam the race before or that you've been there before just helps, um, you know, and 
often when you walk out, you know, especially in Birmingham, it were a big stadium. It would be different to what you're training every day. Mm. And, um, you know, just to kind of see the pool and to visualise yourself walking in, it will just kind of take that, that edge off. It will take that, you know, the nerves of when you're actually there just off a little bit, even though it's all been in your head. So I think, yeah, I really do love visualisation. And what do you think of Birmingham? That is my hometown, by the way. So nice words, please. You know, I only think <laughs> I've been there once. How crazy. <laughs> Hold on, how? how? <laughs> have, you, have you only been to Birmingham once? Like, oh, well, no. what's, 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 what's going on there? Come on, come on. I know, I do need to go back. I don't know why. Well, you, well try and go back, obviously, you know, within yeah. reason. But uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, you have a huge um, Caribbean community in the West Midlands and in particular Birmingham. So yeah, you're going to have, I think no, you're going to have so, to some go good back. supporters. Seriously, like... <laughs> You're going to have a Jamaican following uh, there as well. So you've got another advantage. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, I'm super excited. And, you know, it's it's all about the journey. It's all about getting excited for it. You know, it's not just about rocking up and then then getting excited, then kind of seeing all your hard work pay off. It's the journey. Mm. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. And what's your message for the people of West Midlands? Oh, my, <laughs> you know, for a Games, you know, a Commonwealth Games to be brought there, it brings everyone together, it makes everyone have each other's back and, you know, remember, remember the moment, enjoy, enjoy the current time, enjoy the build up, but most importantly, enjoy the Games because it's, it's incredible. Again, just something to look forward to. I think we really need that in these times. Right, just yeah. a few, um, few questions to, uh, to end this, uh, this podcast. What's your favourite Jamaican saying? Oh, well, I do say no problem quite a lot. <laughs> and yeah. I don't even really see it as a Jamaican thing. It's but just, then when I go out to Jamaica or I speak to Jamaican people, they're like, no problem, it's like no everything. problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, actually, yeah. I mean, I know we see it as a slogan and everything, but yeah, it is quite a common saying. I think for me, the older I get, I realise I sound like my grandmother quite a bit. So if I have to cut <laughs> someone, I can. But little sayings like, you know, when you meet someone and it's like, mm-mm, my spirit and I take to him. You know, th- one of those sayings, yeah. it's like, oh, I can actually hear my nan saying it and somehow it's come out of my mouth. So I was very interested. <laughs> I was very interested to see uh, what kind of, um, what sayings you love or Jamaican sayings you love. Um, another question, what is being your authentic self look like? Oh, I've got a smile on my face. I am connecting with everyone. Well, normally I'm a hugger, but obviously in the current times, not been able to. But, you know, I'm very expressionistic. I will always, if I'm in the room, you know, I'll be there. <laughs> okay, I like that. But, I like that. Yeah. And one more question, and I did reference it before, but I just want to end on a positive, positive note. You are an openly gay black man who is also encouraging other black people to get out there and swim. Are you a trailblazer? Yes, I am a trailblazer. <laughs> and you said it with your chest. That's what I want to see. You said it with your chest. I love it. Michael, thank you so oh, much for joining us. No, you're, it's been a pleasure. You, you are a shining light and I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Everyone oh, should have a Michael. So Everyone should have a Michael Gunning. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'll see you in the build up to Birmingham 2022. Definitely. I'll see you in my hometown. <laughs> Thank you.
You've been listening to 22 Voices from the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games. I've been Samantha Johnson, and thank you to my special guest, Michael Gunning. To hear more from 22 Voices, head over to birmingham2022.com forward slash 22 Voices. And don't forget to subscribe by searching for 22 Voices wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Catch you again next time.